All I ever ask is keep it eight more than 92 with me, 100. What feels like eons. Jungle juice, back to the pod. Um, everybody, before nice we jump into this, <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see. We got it. We have. We'll got to make a camera adjustment in a second. But before we, uh, before we, officially get started here, uh, hundred talkers, we've been waiting to do this for a long time. As you guys know, that roster, that sweet, sweet roster that Joe put together for us. It, uh, it took a little bit of doing to get that announcement made, but now that it's out, we have him here. We've done it. He's here. Welcome back to the podcast, Jungle Juice. We should probably list your many, many accomplishments in some way here. Um, <clears throat> you've First held hour, like, yeah. The show, we can dedicate to that, and then we'll move on to the interview in the second hour. Yeah, right. You've held <laughs> many titles during your time at 100T, and... Uh, mm-hmm. Most recent, I mean, you you started off. What were you uh, like? Head of scouting? Is that what your first title was? What was it? No, I was like the academy head coach. I think the first year. Well, I mean, um, I remember you being the academy head coach. Yeah, but I just everything. What haven't you done? I think I've pretty much done everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, One of our past videos, we had you as strategic consultant some, or yeah. something. There's like a, a yeah, maybe that was a, a strategic wizard. Of some kind. Yeah. I think I was just. I think I was just a strategic coach for LCS. You're just making bit. up your own titles as you mm-hmm. go. Yeah, yeah. I was honestly making up a lot of titles for LinkedIn at that point. So. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> then we're yeah. just going to call you very necessary man. And uh, now <laughs> you've you've climbed all the way up to GM. Now mm-hmm. I'll set the stage by saying this. Uh, Papa Smithy was a very beloved figure among the fans, and yeah. uh, it was sad to see him go. And I th- feel like there was virtually nobody that it would have been like, okay, cool. Yeah, we got a great new GM. Except <laughs> the one person who actually got the mm-hmm. job. I, I thought that was so cool just to see it come full circle for you. I know uh, we are super excited about that. And I don't think we are alone in that. So everybody, uh, like even us announcing this podcast, like, hey, Jungle Juice is coming on. Everybody's super hyped. So it feels nice to have like one of the true guys there, right? From the beginning, yeah. been been working for Hundred Thieves longer than our dear friend someday worked for Hundred Thieves. <laughs> That's how yeah. long this guy has been around. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but um, so we appreciate you taking the time to join us from the T one facility. I see a little T one mm-hmm. win on the chair behind you. Um, yeah, we can deface that later to have the <laughs> the, pro- <laughs> the proper team day one. But welcome, welcome. Not your first uh, run through Hundred Talk. So we'll just go yep. ahead and jump right into some questions for you. Uh, mm-hmm. And we want to talk about first just how everything, you know, ended with Worlds. Uh, it's now been a couple months. Um, we had like a great run, three splits going to LCS finals, uh, winning one of them. Uh, we made Worlds in both years. This year in particular was a weird one, right? Um, NAEU, basically anyone who's not LPL or LCK had a rough go of uh, of worlds um a ton of one in five performances uh and a little bit of sadness for not pushing uh to the heights that we were kind of hoping for so with that dark and gloomy background now that you've <laughs> had a couple right yeah right now that you've had a couple of months to kind of like parse it what were some of your takeaways from that experience um of seeing the guys go through it and what what lessons you learned along the way and now with like you know pretty awesome roster uh trying to make it back to worlds i assume is the goal like what are you what are you going to do with this team differently as a result of your experience this year yeah i think the first thing when it comes to fan expectations around international performance um there's just like clear disadvantages that we as a region face i think the most obvious one is just like player base differences like when you have so many more players playing on the soul key server in some of these eastern (laughs) regions like, there's just going to be so much more variance when it comes to player skill. Um, and I think a lot of it is them just, like, playing higher competitive games, like, throughout every 
point of their practice, whether it's like scrims or solo queue. Um, so the way the game was changed this year was a lot of it was around like Dragon Soul and just Dragon team fights in general. Yeah. And these Eastern, these Eastern teams are going to have a lot more experience when it comes to these Dragon fights and each individual player like playing at their maximum limit um, when they're able to practice that a lot more in solo queue. Um, when it comes to like laning, I think there's just been a lot of like informational material out there. So I don't think that was too as big of a problem as the team fighting. Uh, so I think we'll structure our practice a little bit differently this year so that we can like kind of close those gaps. Um, but these are just like very real systematic differences that we as a region face. Um, and we'll probably continue to face. Yeah. Um, so figuring out how to like close that gap, whether that's supplementing it through additional staff or supplementing it through different ways of practices, you know, constantly new things that we're trying to configure and set out so that we can actually compete. Obviously, it's still very difficult. Uh, so the main takeaway for me this year was when we first entered the LCS, right? We just wanted to ho like hoist a trophy. That was like our only goal. And I know we get memed for being like a hoodie org, but our <laughs> leadership team cares about winning. Like that's first and foremost as an esports program. Like all we want to do is win. Um, and something weird that we really noticed was that like we felt like we were doing right by the community. Um, we had three back-to-back -back finals. We even mm -hmm. won a championship, and we didn't really feel like the fans like stood behind us, right? Like every single time I was in an arena for the finals, you know, they would be like representing Hundred Thieves, and like the crowd would kind of chant. And then whenever <laughs> the other team came on, it was just like the entire stadium was just roaring. Um, so we took a look at that, and we were just like, "What? What is going wrong?" And I think the largest thing is just redefining success a little bit. While we're still like prioritizing winning, we're still pr prioritizing performance. We're looking at esports more of, as a whole, like spe specifically the League of Legends, and it's just like, what does success look like? And I think that's like really putting the camera more on players. Um, and we don't want to like jeopardize the players' performance by like making them just like content deliverable machines. Um, but we do want to incentivize and put more of an emphasis on, you know, how can we create and garner more of a community and more of an audience um, from our players? Uh, I think the biggest like success case I've seen from that is like Evil Geniuses, where you just have like Vulcan inspired, just like having like these normal, very candid conversations like online um, for fans to engage with. And when you have an engaged audience, when you have an engaged community. <laughs> That's like what makes esports as a business successful, right? Like we're we are like really truly nothing without the community and without the fans. Um, so having our players do that more like regularly, having them stream more, um, that's like the effort that we can kind of deliver on from the player standpoint. And when we actually like deliver an engaged audience, I think that's when our socials and content team is like much more incentivized to push out the content deliverables that a lot of our fans were pretty disappointed with last year. So key takeaways for me there is just like success is still winning, but success is also building a player and roster brand that fans can really like, you know, identify with and support. Mm -hmm. So that when we do go to this uh, stadium again, hopefully for a finals sometime this year, like you have the entire crowd like supporting 100 Thieves. Like that's kind of the vision that we're trying to set out for. Yeah, I'll say on, on the pod, Jordan and I had been pulling out our hair trying to figure out what was happening because we kind of felt the same way about um, LCS finals. Whereas, like, why is, like, everybody cheering for EG, you know? Like, I couldn't understand. And when we went to um, we went to Atlanta for world semifinals and we were taking a look around at, like, which teams from NA are represented well, uh, 100 Thieves was, like, way better represented than basically everybody but C9, wouldn't you say, Jordan? It was like C9 yeah, yeah. and T jerseys everywhere. We only saw like three or four of the nasty green EG jerseys. Uh, so I, it's been confounding to me to see that happen. Yet I still like, I still think I agree with your take on this that it's like, yeah, providing that, you know, that uh, more direct connection to the community is going to be key. I mean, and and you went right into the I think one of the most important topics for everybody else who's listening to this. I know Jordan and I we tend to be more interested in like the esports side and the uh, and the operations side and everything. But clearly, if there has been a sticking point for fans, 
you know, over the past few months, it's been the content plan, right? Like everybody feeling like, what are we doing with content? We have this great roster with cool personalities and little content to support that. Um, so, you know, I was joking to Jordan, if a hundred thieves fan, like your average fan came onto this podcast to ask you one question, there's like a 99% chance that it would be about that. (laughs) So, um, is there anything like, so can you talk a little bit more specifically about what you're planning to do in 2023 that will provide that? I mean, clearly we've got some big personalities coming onto the team. Um, and I think that mix is going to be super interesting without it being captured. It's nothing, you know? So, um, if you're able to give us some information about like some of the plans you're doing and, and how you want to forge that connection, I'd love to to dig into that a bit. Yeah. So I think at the start of the year, uh, we generally have like an onboarding slash, you know, general presentation that we provide to all of our players with, you know, various members within our organization, whether that's like HR and payroll, um, or our coaches or like a, or like one HP, which is like the performance, um, organization mm-hmm. that we're partnered with. Yeah. Uh, and I think in addition to that, it'll be like our social and content team this year and adding that really as like a pillar of what success looks like. Um, so just giving the players more direction on like, this is like, you know, key to, you know, succeeding as a pro this year or just succeeding as a personality working in the entertainment industry, um, and just giving them guidelines on what to do. So I think those guidelines kind of look like the players putting more of an effort just regularly. Uh, like I said, just interacting with their community more on Twitter, uh, Instagram, you know, Twitch, just whatever social networks that they have. Um, and I think again, it's like we do not want to jeopardize performance, right? So yeah, that's what um, I was going to ask. Planning <laughs> on, yeah. So I think in terms of long form content, that is really when it starts jeopardizing performance because we're taking out like so much of the players' times to trying to capture these content pieces that are really, really long form. And it's not just something that you've noticed in League of Legends or just specifically esports. It's just like all around the world, short form is kind of dominating like the vertical short form content. Um, so that is kind of more of the content deliverables that we're looking at um, to delivering, you know, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, um, you know, content in that category. Uh, so specific like things that we're looking to do more often. I think Mike Check has always been super successful. Yeah. So we'll be lo- looking to continue those series, um, and we'll just have the players streaming more regularly. I think throughout the week, you know, we have our like scrim schedule, and we have like uh, blocks, right? So it's like you have your first scrim block, three games, second block, three games, and then we sometimes have a third block. Um, some of these third blocks this year will just be dedicated to players playing Champions Q on stream. Mm-hmm. Um, so fans will have an opportunity to, you know, interact with the players directly on stream. And then we'll also be capturing that content to create, you know, just kind of like when you see streamers have like their YouTube channels, right? It's like you have an editor um, going onto those channels, reviewing the stream, just capturing the best moments and like kind of creating like a storyline for a specific video or a specific content piece. That's kind of what we're looking to do. So, you know, anything that doesn't require too much of a lift from the player standpoint, so it doesn't feel like they're just content deliverable machines, <laughs> um, but something that like works, like, you know, cohesively with their practice schedules and also gives a lot more platforms for fans and like community to engage with them. That's kind of like the ideal goal. Um, I, don't know. I don't know if you can, say more about this so just let us know if not but is part of the plan to actually provide the team with the resources that make it easier to put content out there so you know having people who are going to be editing stuff from those streams or like how is that going to work for the people who are on the team if it's if it's something you can talk about yeah so we have specific like people on our content team that is in charge of like socials so they're like assisting players with like um, you know, what is and isn't okay to tweet, obviously, but just like guidelines on like, you know, like just be yourself, right? Like be a personality um, that the players will stand behind. And then when it comes to like TikTok, we have like a whole process of like, um, here's an idea that we have, probably some like thirst traps involving Milan, you know, like <laughs> how do we get that, like, how do we get that like approved? And then how do we like shoot that? How do we edit that from like start to finish and then get that uploaded onto our TikTok channel, stuff like that. Yeah. We're like kind of like starting those processes in place. And you know, even in like this Korean bootcamp that we're doing at T1, 
Um, we had a lot of content ideas. Unfortunately, we had our, you know, videographer like catch COVID pre-flight, so they're unable to join us. But we, we are really making an effort, <laughs> and so um, yeah, and we are really making an effort, and it is something that we really want to deliver on. Um, so it's not something that we're trying to hide. Like we are very conscious of the fact that content, just as a whole, um, we didn't really do right by the community. I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll be seeing increased efforts both internally from our organization and from the players as well to kind of give uh, the fans like a roster that they'll, you know, stand and support. Yeah, I think cool. it'll, yeah. it'll be interesting to watch how you guys hit that balance. I know um, the people who are listening that are like 100 Talk people, they will certainly be saddened to hear that l less of the focus is on the longer form content, you know? Um, I know everybody in the world loved the heist, but the heist is not always like doable. Right. And plus I think there's a, there's kind of like a content meta also. Right. And, and maybe docu-series are not, <laughs> not meta right now, as far as resources are concerned and eyeballs are concerned. So it's a huge challenge. And then you, you also have to think about some of these people that you've got on your player roster. Right. Um, we're not dealing with vanilla players. Oh yeah, we're de we're dealing with <laughs> a couple of very large names, a couple of very like hyped rookies, a um, couple of which have some personality as well. So, how do you how do you guys think about that? Because clearly, you're showing that you recognize the importance of them having a brand and and you know the, them streaming right and making that part of the plan. How do you contextualize that within Hundred Thieves as a whole? Like, what are you, you know, how like Doublelift, Bjergsen, Tenacity, whoever streaming more. What are you? What are you hoping like that generates for you guys? When, as far as the fans are concerned, obviously you want a connection, but like more materially, um, what are you looking for to make that actually like part of your strategy? Um, I think just logistically, like figuring out how we can like fit into our practice schedule, so that doesn't it doesn't like impede them actually becoming performers. Yeah. That's like first and foremost. So again, like we're optimizing for, for, for performance here. Um, I think once they just like stream more regularly, like more eyes will be on them. Because um, I think we just want to like document their journey as pros, right? In whatever ways possible. Um, so I think just like to answer that question as like short as possible, it's just like <laughs> having them more out there, um, whether that's through streaming or whether that's through tweeting. Or rather, that's just like being on Reddit or whatever social platform. It's just them being more out there so that um, fans and the community can have more access to our players. I got to say, you know, huge fan of the heist. Obviously, one of my it's one of the things that brought me in as a fan early, early on. Um, I've been watching more Double Lift since he joined the team, and I think his stuff is really good, and it provides a lot of the same kind of you know, you know, thoughts of the player, how things are going. So it will be interesting to see, um, you know, how that fits in. Because a lot of times what people want with the long form stuff is they want to know the story, what's going on, how are people doing. Um, my sense is those kinds of that, that kind of content will it won't be hard to get that um, from the roster we've got. So it'll be really interesting to see kind of how that continues to evolve um, as people get busier, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's always things that like players and we can and can't share. Like we obviously want to share as much as possible, but there's there's always going to be things that we can't really speak on. Um, but even if you like see double lift streams, right? Like he's doing like you know vlogs of like his journey in Korea, vlogs of like why he joined Hundred Thieves, and I think things like that will just like happen very very naturally without like us setting it out as an agenda, right? Like if you're on stream and you have like people tuning into your stream, like those are questions that your viewers are just going to ask. And those questions are just going to get answered very naturally. Um, players like talking about their performance as a team, those are things that are going to be tweeted very, very naturally. Um, so I don't think it really has to be a forced agenda as long as we like cultivate a culture where like players are more open to discussing those things with their community. I think all those things will just happen naturally. And it doesn't really need to be like, we're shooting a 30 minute video talking about like how practice was like this week. Right. Like you don't fans need to sit people down for an interview yeah. to say, yeah. tell us about how you feel. It's just going to be out there. Yeah. It's just going to be out there. Um, so we want it to happen very naturally. We just want to cultivate a culture where like players know that that's like what success looks like. 
Um, and that's like the new standards of what being, you know, just an, an entertainer in this space, I think. Understanding that, I think it will just happen very naturally for the fans. All right, man. I can't resist. I got to say it. I just got to say it. Are, do you have any concern about like being that loose with it? You know, if your players are streaming, um, I'm thinking of one player in particular who may be a part of the bot lane who is very vocal <laughs> uh, about things and he will speak his mind very directly. Um, there's, you know, Lucio, Cole? <laughs> you're, you're obviously letting some control go as far as the messaging. Um, do you have mm -hmm. any concerns about that or like what's, what's giving you the, like the feeling that, Hey, you know what? This is totally fine. This is good. We don't have to worry about that. Um, or do you have concerns? Like what I, I just have to ask. Cause it's, it just seems, seems like, <coughs> all right, devil lift, go on stream, have fun, talk to the people. They ask you questions. You can answer them. You know, it's just like, okay, all right. Uh, I know there are a lot of people in chat who are going to be, you know, throwing questions Wait. his way, hoping for candid answers. This, I, yeah. I don't, I don't typically do this, but Joe, can I, can I offer a bit of additional context to this? <laughs> okay. I, I will just say, Doublelift is no stranger to situations that a lot of people want to know behind the scenes details on. I think he's done an admirable job about not getting into those details until after, like he's talked more about TSM in the last couple of weeks than he did during. So I just got to put that out there, but then I'll pass, I'll pass that question to you, Joe. Yeah, I think just us as a company, we like we never want to like force someone to do something without them like really understanding why we're doing it, right? Like if a player yeah. comes to me and says like why can't I talk about this? There should be like a very clear reason as to like why that wouldn't be a good idea. Um and when it comes to like content and just giving them more of a platform, a lot of it is like built on trust and having like principles or guidelines that we're all agreeing on, right? Um, and I think we have a lot of faith in our players to carry themselves out as professionals to like represent Hunter Thieves as a brand. Uh, so yeah, a lot of that like connection is built on trust. Um, so I know for Peter, he's already done a couple of vlogs where he speaks about his entire process of why he joined Hunter Thieves, right? Yeah. And I think we've already seen him like taper some of those conversations around things that he really couldn't talk about. And he was very freely open, openly willing to talk about like why he joined 100 Thieves and releasing information that he was comfortable releasing. Um, so again, a lot of it is built on trust. Uh, a lot of it is just trusting these guys as like adults that, you know, understand that they're also representing the brand. Um, so we know that we're giving the players a lot more freedom, um, but that's kind of like the double-edged sword that you kind of have to be willing to take when it comes to, you know, giving, giving fans as close to the true story as possible um without like releasing confidential details yeah um so they, they, yeah they are definitely like uh i guess like measurements we have in place but we're def definitely going to start off this process with like we have full faith um here are some guidelines here are some rules but as long as we stick within these boundaries we're we're very i guess aligned on what that success looks like yeah that's good. I mean, I my mind gets called back to days I'm sure you'll remember of of having Medios on the team um, first go round when narrative kind of got out of control uh, for the org, you know, from one of the players, honestly. So it's interesting to come full circle and be like, no, like the I I think I don't know. I think Jordan and I as fans, we kind of learned that people who who have been in the space longer than us, because we've only been watching basically as long as Hunter Thieves has been around, they feel very, very attached to the players and very, very aligned with um, with with the players' incentives, you know, and, and all their motivations and stuff. And so there was always this demand to be transparent. We want the truth. We don't want the canned PR answers. We don't want the sit-down video where you come up with whatever prepared statement. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to see the growth of Hunter T into a strategy that embraces more, uh, more candidness, candid, can, candicity, yeah. uh, whatever it is. You guys know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it, it's really interesting to see it evolve to that. And I think from a fan perspective, we're, you know, this started because we were talking about, um, your guys' observations about like fans being on your side or not. Um, I think this is a strategy that the fans would definitely be excited for. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of, 
roller coastering of, of the story of this season is going to happen from this. And so it'll be a fun ride. And uh, I hope everybody has their safety bars down for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about you as a GM now that you're moving into this position. Obviously you had um, a few seasons to watch Chris uh, perform this role. And, you know, again, like I said, we, he was, he was a beloved figure to fans and everything. Um, so I know a lot of us are curious as to what you're going to do in a similar manner as him and what you're going to do differently, um, uh, from him. So Papa Smithy is, is one guy, one approach. Um, it obviously, you know, we, we did well as an org with him at the, at the controls there. So what are you going to incorporate? What are you going to do differently? And how do you view yourself as like a successor um, to what he's, he helped you build? I mean, you were there with him. It's not like he did this without you, but now that you're at the controls, what are you thinking? I think when it comes to roster construction, um, I think you always have to be willing to take risks to do something great. Um, like I look at EG and like everyone is like praising them for the rise of Jojo and I guess like a similar extent, Danny. Um, but those were very, very risky moves, right? Like I, I believe there were rumors about like them being able to pick up Jensen, right? And, you know, if you're any organization and you're looking at the option of fielding Jojo versus um, Jensen and you want like to secure worlds or secure a top place in the league, it, it is a very risky move to just field a rookie out there. And something that we've learned is a, when you want to field rookies into your roster, um, the first thing is like they actually have to be ready. Um, like we've seen a lot of like LCS rookies just thrown into the LCS because it looks great for optics, but they're just candidly not ready. Like they didn't have a year of amateur, they didn't have a year of academy to actually develop like the uh, fundamental like learnings to like for them to become LCS ready players. But at the same time, uh, you need to be in a competition level where you are facing higher-level opponents so that you can actually like be at the same playing field as the best pros in North America, right? Mm. So when it comes to fielding rookies, I think what we've learned is we want to start those rookies out in spring. Um, we want to give them the full entire year to kind of you know, really explore their like ceilings as players. Um, and one thing we're really committed to is like we're not really big fans or just like just in general like making roster changes in the middle of a split like we don't think that's real mm -hmm. um when you set out a roster from the beginning right you're like committed to these five players um and it's kind of like a ride or die situation like you're always going to face hurdles as a team um and you kind of have to be willing to work through those hurdles or it's like why feel these rookies in the first place like if you go through a couple of weeks and you see the rookie struggling like why did you feel that rookie in the first place Right, like these are kind of the challenges that you kind of have to expect when you start with these players, and that's the kind of the commitment that we're going to show every single player on our roster. Um, so I think main differences is taking more of a risk. Uh, like we definitely had options to start our rookies in previous years, right? Like we've always had like Kenvi Tenacity, these like really great players that have started in the LCS in recent times, and I think this is the first time where you're seeing from us. We've spent so many years developing talent in amateur and academy, and they're finally going to be starting for us. And we're super, <laughs> super excited about that. Uh, and yeah, I think the biggest difference is I also love North America. I also love the idea of development, um, but it's never going to be about like the optics press, um, or at least for me, it's going to be like tailored around performance. And the reason we paired up, you know, Boosie and Tenacity with you know, veterans like Peter and Bjergsen is because they just bring like a championship R to the team. Like we know that they're going to perform. And you look at Busio like right now and a year from now, right? And it's like, where would Busio be with like another rookie paired with him or someone that's in the bottom of LCS and AK carry, right? It's just like a very completely different player by the end of the year. Um, so even before this offseason, um, you know, with the financial thing that like Sean and Jacob talked about, Jacob and I always joked about like, wow, wouldn't it be great if Busio could play with double lift? Um, so for us to see <laughs> that like awesome. happen, 
for example. And in reality, it's just absolutely crazy to us, like that we were actually able to pull this off. Um, but yeah, just um, figuring out ways to guarantee the success of development, right? Like, development only happens on winning teams. Like, you can say like your culture is crazy that you're coaching, philosophy is like always long term, but if your team is not winning, development is super hard, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's there's not a lot of development happening. So, um, again, prioritizing performance, and if we do field rookies. We're putting them in an environment with experienced staff, experienced players, and all the resources that they need to actually succeed. Um, okay, I so got. Yeah, I think I got to ask go a follow-up question to that piece, which is, um, you know, it's it's no secret that Doublelift very excited to play with Busio. You know, oh hey, <laughs> oh who's that handsome devil back there? What do you think about working with Bjergsen? Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> how, is it true? Are the rumors of how nightmarish he is true? He probably can't hear us. Oh, he can't hear. <laughs> um, he he kept it. Sorry, quiet. go ahead. The, <laughs> yeah, the, the cameo, the cameo is is concluded. Um, I was gonna so I was gonna say, uh, you talked about Champions Q, how it's part of the overall strategy and kind of plan for the team this year. Like it's gonna have a specific role to play. Um. Curious, one, just kind of in general, your thoughts on it. I know it's kind of a new thing that we're trying uh, as a region. But then also, it, my, my sense is it's, it's that environment that gave Doublelift enough exposure to Busio to know that he was somebody he wanted to play with, that he thinks very highly of. So it, can you, is there anything that you can say about kind of the, the benefit of having that environment where pros get to kind of play in a little bit more of a, a competitively sound environment with people like has that helped to identify who real true talented prospects are for you guys uh i think it's definitely mixed yeah uh so champions q is definitely like initiative that's in the right direction like when a player is playing on 60 ping um in solo queue and then going back to like zero to ten ping <laughs> for scrims on stage is obviously not ideal because you want to keep the conditions as consistently throughout all forms of practice. Um, but one thing that we've definitely noticed is that like, okay, so like when I was climbing the ladder, right, and I was trying to be a challenger player or I was trying to be pro, I was obviously not good enough. But one of the biggest like factors in like trying was like I got to play with other streamers that were streaming on League of Legends. And I got to actually play with the pros. And that was such a huge incentive for a lot of these like younger players that want to go pro, right? Like being in your first game with Bjergsen, being in your first game with LCS pros, was such an awesome experience. And what happens when you take all of the NALCS pros, all of the NA Academy players, like the best players in the region, and you play that, put them into a server where our solo queue players don't have access to, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think trying to bridge that gap is like the next step of making Champions queue um, the product it needs to be to be like a complete success. Interesting. Because um, yeah. what I would want to see is like, I would want to see young players wanting to be aspiring to becoming pro climbing the you know north american ladder and then having a more seamless uh, you know entry into champions queue right because like if champions queue stays the way it is it is going to be a good practice environment for all of our current pros mm -hmm. but think about the quality of all future pros like years down the line right you're obviously going to see right. deterioration in that um so i know riot is like figuring out solutions for this uh, but yeah, in the short term is great. Like we have a server where like they're close to zero to ten ping, um, and they have like voice comms available all set up for Riot. So uh, I think it's definitely a great initiative. Um, and there's some long term pitfalls that we're very aware of, but I think Riot's very aware of all of those things and working through how we can make Champions Q like a long term success as a product. Yeah. Now all this talk about development, <laughs> it. Uh... I mean, we, we need to dig into this a bit more too. I mean, I know you, you made a Reddit post where you kind of um, dumped some of your thoughts about like amateur and academy and all that, right? Uh, our talent yeah. pipeline for the past few years has been extremely productive. So 100 Next, I don't think it's a stretch to say 100 Next is the most successful NA amateur project of all time, right? Just look at the yeah. conversion rate of those guys. Um, and, and, they're all like beloved figures, right? <laughs> like for you've got, you've got four people that are going to be starting and everybody knows that it should be five. <laughs> yeah. 
And then, you know, the academy program, no slouch either, right? Uh, converting lots of academy players and prospects into starters. Um, now, in this current environment, like, how are you guys going to tweak the approach when it comes to um, academy, when it comes to development, um, given all of the the current things that are happening in, in the, the industry? Like, how are you guys going to keep up that momentum for development? You've done an excellent job so far, and, and it would be a shame yeah. to, to fall off, so, so to speak. So I think this is, like, kind of the difference, right? It's, like, every... Every amateur program has like a different goal. Like you look at TSM's academy roster, um, and people are saying like, "What does this academy roster do?" Or like a lot of fans were disappointed, right? And like every organization is going to have a very, very different, um, like a goal setting or KPI for what academy is going to do. Like Jack said very clearly, um, the point of our academy program is to get as many players into the LCS, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think my goals just to be very straightforward is um, it's not about the number of players that enter the LCS. It's about like the quality, right? Like we want to see players like Jojo enter the LCS. And what that really means is like super young players that go through a development pipeline and like cement themselves as like top five players in the role. Right. Cause you don't really want to see like players enter the LCS perform like mediocre or like not that great. And then like go back to Academy for the rest of their careers. Right. Like we want to identify super high seeding players and then help them develop into like the top five top three players within north american lcs um and i think our goal was always like we're gonna do this long-term plan not to just like create like a farm program so that we can just like ship players off to other lcs teams but the goal was always like one day we want to see these guys playing under our banner um we're seeing two of these rookies like really truly start under our banner right um, and we want that to be like a major success. So um, I think in terms of our plans for amateur, I know fans are definitely disappointed um, just because we haven't been as firmly committed as previous years. But the way we see it is like we're finally reaping like all the like the rewards from like all the years of work that we've put into our amateur program. Yeah. And we want to make sure that this is a success this year. Um, so, you know, conversations around amateur are still ongoing. Uh, we plan to potentially enter it maybe back in summer. Um, but we know that we have like, you know, a bunch of rookies in all, like every single level of our program that we're super excited about. Uh, so, so what, yeah, without disclosing more information, it's like about quality and it's about getting like top five players in their role in LCS. Yeah. So, so when it comes to those rookies then, <clears throat> cause you know, we've got, we've got a couple of them starting. Uh, what, what are your, like expectations or what timelines do you have for specifically for tenacity and Busio? Like what to you is a successful year for them? Um, and like how, like where as fans, as we watch these guys develop, like what are the benchmarks we're trying to see along the way? Like, okay, we hit this milestone. We hit that milestone. What should our expectations be? Um, our expectations for our players are quite candidly very high. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we think Closer and Bjergsen are already like top players in their role. Um, I think Bjergsen's always been a top player in his role. I think Closer has been like a, like a conversation for MVP candidate, like almost every single split in the jungle <sighs> <Yeah>. role. So, <laughs> you know, he hasn't gotten it yet, but like, obviously like we think he's a great performer. So we're not really worried about those two. Like we know that those guys are going to perform when it comes to crunch time. Um, I think that biggest question marks I had coming into this season quite candidly, Peter, I'm sorry if you're hearing this, but it was definitely about like Peter coming back from retirement, right? And how our rookies are going to do. And I think what made us so confident in the rookies and Peter, when it comes to Peter, he's always been like a champion. Like he's just not someone that's going to settle for less. Um, And we've been scrimming already. And I'm actually really surprised at like how much closer to Peter's, um, old form he is than I, what I expected. Because I, I thought it was going to take some time, and it still will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know Peter has the right mindset. And then when it comes to Busio, his like growth mindset is just crazy. Like the, like the number of hours that he puts in, like how like self-aware and critical that guy is. Like I just know that the guy's going to be a success. So my expectations for them, and this is probably their own expectation, is that they're going to be one of the best bottom lanes by summer. Hmm. Um, 
And for Milan, <laughs> for Milan, I think he's just going to have a really, really challenging split. Um, I don't think it's because of the lack of talent or anything, but I just think top line specifically in LCS this year is really competitive. A little bit you have stacked. Impact, you have Someday, you have Summit. Someday. Um, oh, our mood coming in. There's Someday. <laughs> <laughs> right, like top lane is just stacked this year, absolutely stacked. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot Fudge, but it's just stacked. So I, I, I too forgot Fudge. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, so he's just gonna have all the competitors needed, and he's going to just need to like meet them where they're at in terms of performance to be a competitive top laner. Yeah. Um. So I think he's just set up for success <laughs> there because like he's just gonna be practicing with really really strong players throughout the year. Um. So yeah, I think. In spring, obviously, the players like just have really high ambitions right out of the gate, right? Um, and I think we're going to support those ambitions. Um, but for us, like we're definitely looking at like peaking at summer. Um, at least making worlds is definitely the goal there. Um, and I'm just I'm just super excited. We're gonna give we're gonna give them all the time that they need. Um, but I just think that I don't want to undersell these guys because I know that these guys' expectations for themselves is is just incredibly high. Um, so we're just going to support those expectations and see where that takes us. Yeah, yeah. I was Cole and I were talking about the kind of the the rookies coming in um, once the roster was announced. I think, and we we recognize it's the first time that we've had rookies joining the team at the start of a split, and I just yeah. think that's such a valuable place to be starting from. Um, it's always before been by necessity. Or we're we're kind of in a, a roster crisis that we can't quite figure out how to solve otherwise. <laughs> so I like you. I'm very excited to, and I'm kind of just excited to watch these guys develop because it's now about it's less about is this the piece that fixes the, the roster issue we're having, and it's more about can these guys reach their promise, which feels like a very different point to be starting from as a fan, um, yeah. and one that's a little bit less all or nothing, right? Like there's time for us to make measurable improvement. So yeah. super exciting from a fan's perspective for that too. Yeah, I think for also for rookies, like a lot of orgs are just scared of the failure. Like, what if I start this rookie and they fail, and then like they put like a veteran in academy to like basically act as like an emergency like sub in, right? Right. Like you look at Boosio and you look at Tenacity, we are hundred percent bought in to them for this year. It's like we're gonna give them like all the resources that they need. And I I know we had like our six man thing with some situation last year, um, and I think like obviously there was like pros and cons to that. Someday was obviously just performing so so well, yeah. Um, that we needed kind of needed him to start, but like when you psychologically have like a second player that you can always fall back on, um, it creates this like weird dynamic where like if you face a hurdle with a player you're not going to try as hard, right? Like you want your back against the wall. You want to have like zero secondary options. Um, just do your research, do as like as comprehensive of a job in the off season to fully evaluate what the player's strengths and weaknesses are and just be very cognizant of that. Be very intentional and give players like the split that they deserve. Like that's kind of the mindset we have. So <clears throat> there is no backup options for these guys. Like we're very committed to seeing them succeed. Um, and we think we've built like a very complimentary program, especially in Academy as well, for them to have all the resources that they need. So we're also very excited and I, I'm super excited to give like Milan his like first like no like no strength attached right. first year, like no six man, like this is your first chance at like a full yeah. um opportunity at LCS. And I think that's like way better in terms of like the psychological aspect when it comes to like coaching staff. Uh, for like roster decisions and like Milan as well, right? Like mm -hmm. I need to, I need to succeed. There is no like someday to like cover up for me if like I play poorly. Yeah, that's interesting. So first of all, I hope I hope he's still el he's still eligible for rookie of the split, right? Like I know he played a game last year that I'm uh, hoping that didn't flub up the candidacy or there because you know I'm we sure they'll find a way. I think we'll have two candidates, right? But um <laughs> obviously behind him is Sniper who everybody like okay, everybody rates him very highly. This is guy's coming down the pike. He he can't play this year LCS. So we know that you know tenacity is going to get his full year. Um but when right. you're talking about no backup options, it is interesting to point out though the ADC situation, right? Um so I know mm -hmm. we're shifting away from rookies but uh, you've got Peter in there ready to go, but behind him you have the first team all pro 
LEC player. So yeah. what's what are, what's going on like there? Like how with with Unforgiven, how is he fitting into this picture? Um how like is he just another one we can chalk up to like, hey, I really want to play for Hundred Thieves and EU sucks? Because I'm all on board with that. <laughs> yeah, so I think for Unforgiven, um like when it comes to like Peter and Busio, uh obviously like one guy's coming back from retirement and one guy's a rookie, right? Yeah. Uh, so internally, what is like the best practice environment that we can set up? Like, I think Sniper and Milan are both like super mechanically talented players. So if we're like running one-on-one like laning drills between those guys, I think they'll like get really, really good practice, um, learning both sides of the matchup. And then for Unforgiven and Destiny, I think they're just going to be a really strong bottom lane. Like, you could probably put those guys in LCS and they probably compete. Um, so internally, when you have access to that. I think it just provides more resources for our balling to actually succeed as well in LCS. And again, it, it's kind of the same conversation. Like we have full f- faith in our players. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, we're, we're obviously optimizing for performance, but we're we're very confident in Peter and we're very confident in Busio. So you, you know, I think a lot of people are going to ask questions about like what is Unforgiven's role mm-hmm. and Although I can't comment too much on that uh, right now, it's like things would really have to go off plan, right? Um, there has to be like multiple things that happen when like a player promotion happens. So it's like a combination of him playing super well or like Peter performing super poorly or like the culture just being an absolute mess. Um, so yeah, I can't really comment fully on like what the plans are there. But again, it's the same philosophy as I said before. It's like we did our research, we're very confident in both rosters and you know, I think the coaching staff is going to fully support giving the players that they need to like overcome all the hurdles. Yeah. It's, it's quite an interesting roster construction that you were able to pull off. I mean, <clears throat> don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining that behind one of the NA goats, we have the first team all pro LEC, you know, it's like, I'm not, yeah, that's a great position yeah. to find ourselves in. I'm not sad not about that at all, you know, but <laughs> it, it really is. Um, I think considering, you know, you, you mentioned that video that uh, John and Jacob did about just kind of the financial state of things and, and the league program and, hey, guys, we're going to scale back a bit on what we're doing. And I think everybody can kind of surmise what's going on financially than the league that's happened to a lot of the teams um, with money just being like a bigger problem. You were able to pull off a – I'm not sure – I'm not sure I'd go as far as to say shocking roster – <laughs> but it, it's quite better than I I expected that we were going to have uh, once yeah. once it was like hey yeah kind of we're looking elsewhere for things you know I'm I'm really impressed by what you put together so I think it's probably a very weird time to be a GM right and you just went through yeah. this <laughs> yeah eyes wide That's very weird. yes uh, yeah. you you just went through roster mania and what's got to be one of the craziest times ever um to get mm-hmm. things done what was what was that like i mean the the scene is like changing so quick and the honestly like a lot of the stuff that was reported on or or leaked or whatever and seemed like it was legit didn't end up going that way for a lot of like we saw we were told virtually no one is going to spend money um but we still saw a lot of star players line up on a lot of different rosters i mean what is going on with Roster Mania? How did you navigate that? And furthermore, how did you pull off assembling what is probably like the most interesting team in the LCS? Yeah, so I think hopping into like the budget situation, like we knew that this was going to be like a year that we had to be more financially responsible. Um, so it was honestly just the perfect time to promote our rookies. Like if we're not going to take a chance on our rookies this year when like, the budgets are kind of directing us to like what year are we actually going to fearlessly start with these right so like we knew that we had to commit to that and then our next kind of step was like what pieces are we filling out in the rest of the roster to look at these guys and build a successful roster and it has been very different from previous seasons like in previous seasons like for example when we had um the first iteration of our roster in 2021 with Demonte, right? And we upgraded to Felix. It's very easy for us to just like scout the best players. We have the money, um, pay them their market rate, and then just get the best players, right? It was so it was always like first movers advantage. 
Um, and the thing that you saw this year was that the prices were correcting in the entire market, right? Like yeah. some players were not aware that the market was adjusting. So they were negotiating <laughs> with their old salaries, right? And those were kind of... Dude, this is exactly Honestly, what I like, said, Jordan. You remember this on the pod? I was like, I bet a lot yeah. of players are having a rude awakening right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, so it, it, was, it was definitely interesting having some of these conversations. Um, and although I think we pulled off a really cool roster and I want to say like, oh, we just absolutely heisted and smurfed it, there's like two main reasons why uh, this roster creation was possible. Uh, first one is just that our organization and brand is just so powerful. Um, like usually when you try to like sell a player on joining your team, um, you have to fair, pay them like a really fair market price. You have to sometimes overpay market price, right? And then really sell them on the roster and then sell them on all the intangibles of the program. And players just want to join 100 Thieves just because they think we can document their journey as pros much better than other organizations. Um, and externally, like you look at our brand, you look at our like you know apparel, you look at all other sectors of our business, and they can tell that it's a very like sustainable, very financially responsible company, right? <laughs> so that made things those conversations very easy because I don't have to like sell them on the brand; they already love the brand. And secondly, the reason why this roster was possible is just because every person on our roster was willing to make some kind of sacrifice to make this roster possible. Like you heard like Peter doing his like vlog, right? Like he had multiple other LCS offers where he was going to get paid significantly a lot more. Um, any choice to join, join us. So when you have like five players making those sacrifices to like make that, you know, this roster possible, it's like, you're not really giving kudos to yourself. Like you're giving kudos to the players and the company for creating such a strong brand to make it possible. So I'm honestly super excited um, just cause my first year as GM, when it was like a financially cut back year, right? It's like, I want to be bought into the program that we're creating. And, you know, when you don't have a roster as interesting as this, it's like hard to <laughs> give that full commitment buy-in, right? And now we're at a point where like everyone at our company is super excited. Like not just esports and League of Legends, but everyone from apparel, everyone from content, everyone from like socials, content, leadership. Like everyone is so excited about this roster because it's like you have, you have Closer who's been like the most stand-up professional on our organization that has like represent our organization like flawlessly. You have two of like North America's like greatest goats. The two have goats, some of the largest yeah. fan. Yeah. <laughs> like be. literally quite literally the two biggest goats. <laughs> like with the two most promising like talents from like development pipeline in North America. And it's like, how can you dislike this roster? Like you have to be excited about it, right? Um so I'm obviously very excited. Um, and with the, all the changes in LCS, right, um, I think we're going to really put in a large effort, not just for our own team, but just to uh, make sure we play our part in trying to fix some of the issues that we're seeing with the LCS. Um, a lot of it just being like trying to bring a more engaged audience back to the scene. So I think this roster accomplishes like so many check marks across the board. Obviously, it check marks like the ceiling that we have as a team performance wise, but I think in terms of content, in terms of creating brands and communities within NALCS again, we think we're going to deliver. So I'm just excited about this roster for so many different reasons and I'm I'm sure fans are as well. Hey, I gotta say, you, you said you can't take credit for kind of the roster coming together and uh, or all the credit, but I gotta say, um, I heard Peter say in his video that he, uh, everybody he talked to at the company just impressed him and um you know the staff people the coaches behind the scenes you know etc as the gm of the program you at least get partial credit i think for like <laughs> all of that stuff so you, you might not be ready to take it yet but that's mm -hmm. i think that's one of the other things that comes with the gm job right it's like yeah this, this program is now um kind of a reflection of the work you've done especially maybe one thing if you walked in as gm two weeks ago but you've been there building since day one so um you know we, we appreciate that yeah yeah now you, and and actually piggybacking off of that, you know you you're as we mentioned before you're unique in that you are like the OG for Hundred Thieves right you're the guy who has been there the entire time, um, and you've mm. seen the program grow from like I don't know probably not really having that clear of a picture of what you guys want to achieve and do all the way to now you're more experienced you've you've 
brought home a title already. You know, you're clearly one of the favorite orgs um, when it comes to like numbers and fans, right? Like, you know, I know you guys are working on connecting with fans a little more this year, but clearly, you know, you've, you're not immortal. So let's just say it like that. (laughs) So, so what, what are, what are one or two thoughts, lessons that you can share that you've learned along the way, like being on that journey all the way from, you know, 2017 uh, until now, like what are, what have you learned um, being on that ride? Um, I think it's just like every other startup culture, right? Like I think when you're working at like a larger company, people can kind of just do everything within their roles. Um, and you're just kind of like a cog in a machine, right? Like everyone just does their role and the wheel will kind of run by itself. Hmm. When you're working at a startup or just like kind of this industry where everyone's like super passionate, I think the reason why 100 Thieves has been so successful is like we just had so many, I guess like visionaries um, that were willing to just do more than what their role required, kind of like stepping outside of those bounds, like just be being super proactive. I think like my biggest like role model in the company has been like Jackson. Um, like he, I think he just like raised like our company to like the next level. Like he Pour brought in all of our Jackson. creators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I think just like things like that, where people just have really like great ideas about like what the company can become. Um, and seeing that like, you know, put into action over the course of five years, like we went from like working in like a desk in like a house to like now having our own compound is like, it's really surreal. And I think I really felt that like when we were doing Hall of Fame with Someday, like I think Someday and I like kind of like took a little bit of a moment to like look back at the five years and we were like, yeah, you know, we were just some guys like that were just really obsessed with the video game. And while we were doing all of that, like the rest of the company was like just building out this massive esports company. And now we have a compound that we can practice out of and just, really taking a moment to hone all of that in was, it was just kind of like a beautiful thing. Um, um, I'll add that you're also now sitting in the T1 compound. That's <laughs> yeah. probably also on the list of things that you didn't think were likely to happen when you're at a desk in a house in LA. <laughs> yeah. So I think just like the biggest thing in the past of five years is like, when you're on the esports side, you're so focused on like winning week to week. You're focused on practice, you're focused on performance that you kind of forget that like the rest of the company exists. Um, and like seeing that kind of unfold and seeing that, how has that all, all of that has like developed kind of simultaneously to how our league program has developed, um, is super cool to see. Uh, cause you know, we had our own struggles after the first year of LCS where we were going through like a couple splits of not so great performances and seeing like Jackson smurf it super hard on his end and the rest of the team just like killing it while your league program isn't doing so well, it was always like kind of embarrassing and kind of like kind of had to put your like head down and like be kind of like shameful. Right. Cause like you want to like perform at the same level they're performing at. And I think when we finally won a trophy in 2021 and, you know, we had really good like success across all of our esports programs, like not just in league of legends, we were kind of like able to like raise our head up high and be like, we have our place in this organization. And I think, that's like kind of what makes it great. Like you kind of know that um, all the work growing, there are still like superstars and a lot of like key players in the organization excelling at their roles to kind of continue building 100 Thieves to what it currently is and what it can be in the future. So that's just been like the really cool, I guess intangibles that are kind of hard to describe. Well, dang, I, I don't think we, <laughs> I think I think it would be a shame to continue this conversation beyond the excellent like way you just summed everything up because honestly, like the last thing we were going to ask you about was someday entering hall of fame and you, you know, you blended that in here. I'm sure it's been quite, um, quite an interesting few months to take that in and have mm-hmm. that look back at everything. And, you know, we've felt the same way as, you know, we've been covering a uh, hundred thieves league of legends since virtually the beginning too. Um, and it just it, coming full circle and having you be in the seat that you're in right now, it's uh it's very cool. It's it's like things have evolved and and you know, the journey that you've been on, you've been rewarded for that. And I think, like I said, as fans, there's virtually no one that we would have been like as satisfied with uh to have that position. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't be happier for you um to be doing that. So 
we definitely, first of all, thank you for being here tonight with us. We are looking forward to seeing um, how this boot camp goes for you guys and yeah. seeing like, you know, what the beginning of 2023 looks like. Um, things are, you know, obviously different for LCS and 400 Thieves and um, it's going to be a very interesting year to see what, well, I don't know what that was. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> was that someone moving a table? Over there? No, that was a door. That was a door. Oh, okay. I was going to say, wow. Um, lost my train of thought. <laughs> but it's uh, it's great to have you in the seat that you're in. And uh, we wish you the best of luck as you take what I'm telling you. This, like, this is the most interesting roster I think that could possibly put together right now. It's like the the old like Heineken most interesting man is like our roster right now. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's it's full of intrigue and surprise and and uh, I just I I wish you guys well and we hope to be watching us like you said go to worlds that's the goal. Yeah. So all right, we will let you go. We we'll, we know you're uh, in boot camp mode slash maybe even on a on time where you're supposed to be getting some rest. So we will let you get back to doing that again. Thank you for being here tonight. And thanks for everybody for tuning in. Um, we will, I don't know when the next time we'll do a, an LCS pod is everybody. We'll keep you guys posted on our Twitter and discord. Um, we're hitting the holidays and off season a little bit, you know, so there may be a brief break, but we'll let you guys know what's going on. Um, in the meantime, we will say as we always do about this time. We love you and we miss you.